stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. great honor for me today to have a guest that is working hard in America to provide quality of life for people who are often left out of the equation. We are on today with, as our guest, Miss Sally Atwater, the Executive Director of the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. Also, she is and has been a great civil rights leader and an enormous champion for Americans with intellectual disabilities. So get ready. You're in for a treat today. Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. I look forward to being here today. Well, we, all of our listeners throughout the world are excited to listen to you. Sally, maybe you can begin first, for those that do not know you, by telling our listeners how you first became involved in the disability community. I first became involved as a special ed teacher many, many years ago. I went to um, college to become a teacher. The emphasis then was on special ed because they had just passed the, the law, the 94142 in 1975 for the Education for the Handicap Act. So I um, became a special ed teacher and taught for about 10 years. Now, what, what made you do that? Why did you want to be a special ed teacher? Well, I always wanted to be a teacher, and I always wanted to help those, and I just ran into a lot of energetic professors and teachers there, and it opened up that opportunity. Well, what, how lucky for all of them to have you. Um, and I know that you work very closely with former President Bush. Um, you have a tremendous background, really impressive background, Sally. I wonder if you'll tell us a little bit about your experience at the National Advisory for Neurological Disorders and Stroke Council at the National Institute of Health. Well, I was a lay committee person there. I was asked by President Bush to serve. My husband had died of a brain tumor, and they thought I brought together the personal experience that a family endured, a person with a um, neurological disorder. So, um, and I served on it for about four years, and I actually learned a lot. It was very challenging, have a lot of medical terms and that kind of thing, but it really showed me the commitment that NIH had in this area. Yes, and you know what? Um, a question that we had from one of our listeners is, uh, Miss Atwater, uh, first of all, thank you for the wonderful work you do for people across the country, do you feel that people in life that have had traumatic brain injury or have an intellectual disability face greater discrimination than others? Uh, I don't know if they face greater discrimination than, say, other people with disabilities, but I do feel that they do face discrimination, that their challenges are so great, you know, 
that usually they need a support person or some support objects or something to help them along, you know. Well, many people who now are returning from the war are people with traumatic brain injury. And I think, as you pointed out the day that um, I was very honored to have the chance to speak um, at one of the board meetings for this group, uh, and it truly was an honor, and as Sally herself brought forward, there really are all levels of people with intellectual disabilities. You have people such as someone returning from Iraq that could have a traumatic brain injury. You could have someone, uh, a young person with Down syndrome, you know, whatever it would be. And there are those that can work alone, and then there are those that, you know, would, would need some assistance or accommodation. But the key thing is that they can still work. And what I think is wonderful about you uh, Sally, is that you spend your time doing this. Well, thank you, Joyce. But I do want to mention that usually people with intellectual disabilities comes before the age of 18. So traumatic brain injury, say, from the war is usually considered not in the area of intellectual disabilities, but traumatic brain injury. So, and But they all need supports and they need that family behind them to go on and have a life. Yes. And I'm sorry I didn't explain that better, but if the person had a, uh, uh, let's see, would a brain tumor then not be included in traumatic brain injury? Um, it would in, um, in brain injury, traumatic brain injury, but not in intellectual disabilities. Yes. So if they're young and they have uh, a brain tumor or brain injury that causes some type of cognitive disability, would they then be listed under intellectual disability? They would if the, they're achieving an IQ test usually below 70. Yes, and that is an excellent point that Sally is making because, as I said earlier, you can return from the war and have traumatic brain injury but not be a person with an intellectual disability. But if you are a person that, um, as a young person or, or any time in your life, even if you have epilepsy, if in addition to epilepsy you have other issues that cause and you to be defined as an intellectual disabilities, there can be comorbidities. There can be more than one issue going on. Um, and the main group of people that Sally's working with, as she pointed out in her board, are people with intellectual disabilities that at one time had a different name. Um, and I just think that is so great, by the way how you were the advocate to change the name of the board. Well, thank you. Actually, I have to go back again because I didn't per se change the name. The committee themselves recommended to President George W. Bush to change the name. And he did that on a radio address and actually had the committee over. What we did is we, you know, we studied the term mental retardation, which was the term used prior to intellectual disabilities. We brought in what we call Joyce self-advocates, those people with intellectual disabilities, and asked them how they felt about the term. Many of them were very discouraged about the term mental retardation, and many times you hear the term retarded and that kind of thing. So uh, the committee then voted, and we sent up to the president a recommendation to change the name of which he did. Well, thank goodness for that. 
Thank goodness you and your committee did that, and thank goodness he signed that. Yes, we were very pleased. We were very pleased. Because words are powerful. That is correct. Words are powerful, and words can be construed in an inappropriate way. And I just think, oh, I was so happy when all of this happened. But once again, if you're listening to the show, people that formally would be listed as people with uh, a form of mental retardation or severe cognitive delay or other issues of this type that at one time were listed in this whole big lump group, the people with uh, mental retardation, that now the proper term is a person with an intellectual disability. That is correct. That is correct. And I really would stress that you tell everyone that. Because when people come in to me and they talk about a young person, they're going to refer to me, and they say to me, we have a young man we want to refer to you, and he's mentally retarded. I say, oh, you just made me cringe as if you would have called me directly an epileptic or say I'm going to have a fit. Yes, and one thing that I just appreciate your saying is that you put the person first. We always use the person first. Always. So you understand what she's meaning. You do not say we have a blind man or we have an epileptic or we have uh, a deaf man. You say a person who is blind or a person with epilepsy. And in this case, you would say a person with an intellectual disability. And you notice how Sally mentioned that people from the community brought this up and you're wondering how would they even know about this committee? It's because there are people on the board, and we'll talk about that later. But there's another thing. Can't change the world if you don't have the equal representation all the way across the board. I do have to mention one person on your committee. Okay. And that would be Mr. Riley. Yes, Tom Riley, yes, yes from I Pennsylvania. To, yes, I have to mention Mr. Riley from Tom from our great state of Pennsylvania, (laughs) from our great state, because, of course, even though this show is heard throughout the world and even though my company is in 18 states and two provinces of Canada, my headquarters are located here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I want to say about Mr. Riley, Mr. Tom Riley, I have never met anyone as enthusiastic, passionate, and dedicated to this whole concern as Tom Riley. And from the night I met him, from that day forward, he has been on a mission. And he has never stopped trying to help me or getting me to help people with intellectual disabilities. And my guess is going to be that on your committee, he must be a nonstop spark plug. He is. He is a wonderful person. All the committee members adore him, and we just think the world of him. But I have 20 other members just like him that come with that same passion and energy. Isn't that wonderful? It is. It is. I'm sorry I don't know all of them personally, but I know him, and he is really something else. Um, but, But I could tell when I spoke at your group that everyone there seems very committed, very passionate. And you know what I say? I say enthusiasm is contagious. If you're not excited about it or care about it, why would anyone else care about it? So that's what I love about this group. Well, 
Sally, I wanted to ask you as the you have been working as the executive director of the President's Committee for people with intellectual disabilities. You have just been talking about all of these great people. How many people are on the board? Well, I, we have 21 citizen members from all over the country appointed by President George W. Bush. And then, Joyce, we have a unique opportunity because we have 13 what we call ex officio members. They are from the different federal agencies that have programs for people with intellectual disabilities. So our citizen members and our ex officio members come together to work on topics because the whole essence or the whole purpose of the committee is to write a report to the president on ways to improve the lives of people with intellectual disabilities. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back from this break, just so you understand how powerful and how vitally important this is, especially those of you with sisters, brothers, children with intellectual disabilities. I know you're going to want to tell everyone you know about this show. We'll be right back from break. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again? 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, you're in for a special treat today because we have as our guest Sally Atwater, Executive Director of the President's Committee for People with intellectual disabilities, and I'm so excited to have her as our guest today. Sally, before we went to break, you were telling us 
about the pre- this this committee and how people get come on, on the committee. And you were saying some of the people are appointed by the President of the United States. Is that correct? That is correct. Twenty-one members are appointed by the President of the United States. All right. Now, how does that happen, Sally? How does a person get appointed? Um, well, the White House actually has an agency within it called White House uh, Presidential Personnel, and people can be recommend themselves. A congressman can recommend them. Their senator can recommend them. Um, you know, different uh, organizations that deal with disabilities can, or they can recommend themselves, and they uh, apply and they talk to the White House. And, of course, you're looking at the 21 persons that would serve on the committee, and they're chosen from all over the country. So, you know, there are many people that apply, but they usually, some of them represent different associations. For instance, we have a gentleman now that represents the Fragile X Society. Mm-hmm. And um, but I have a teacher on it. I have a researcher. Um, I have uh, actually a famous football coach <laughs> who's very much interested in this. So, yes, that was wonderful hearing that whole story. Also, so these people are appointed by the president, and then how about the rest of the people on? Well, the 13 ex-officio members come from the different federal agencies, for instance, education, housing and urban development, labor, Social Security, and we look at the different issues. So what it does is the population, the citizen members, get to discuss with those experts from the different agencies regarding the programs and issues that face people with intellectual disabilities. So you've got the federal government working actually with its our populations. And we even have self-advocates on the committee. That means people with intellectual disabilities too. Which I think that is so great. I mean, that is really part of the credibility of the organization that there are people on the on the committee who are people who are uh, people with intellectual disabilities. And I wanted to ask you, Sally, now, how often do you meet? Uh, we meet quarterly, but we do a lot of work by conference call because when we meet, we have to publish it in the Federal Register. Uh, we have to actually have a court reporter there to take the the um, transcriptions. Uh, we have to do several things by protocol. So, but we do minute, much of our work in subcommittees then. And, and this is when you can do a lot of those calls by telephone or whatever. And you were mentioning that you have to present a, a report to the President of the United States. Could you talk about that for a minute, what you have to do? Sure. We have to do an annual report to the President. So that gives our members an opportunity if they have a certain issue that they would like to bring before the committee. The committee themselves then has to decide what they would like to do a report on. Then we go and find those experts from around the country that can help us 
address this issue. And then the members come up with these recommendations that they would give to the president. For instance, our next report is going to be on employment. So we had a forum on Monday before our Tuesday and Wednesday meeting where we worked with the Department of Labor, the Office on Disability Employment, policy under the direction of Assistant Secretary Neil Romano to bring in experts to look at employment for those people with intellectual disabilities. And there's another person really changing the world around, Assistant Secretary Neil Romano. He said another one on the move, and he was there the day that I spoke, and I really was so impressed with your group that you're focusing on as you mentioned, competitive employment. That, that is, is so correct. Awesome. And actually, Neil was on our committee. He was a citizen member before he was asked by President Bush to become the assistant secretary. Is that right? So, yes, yes. So, and Neil has a background of public affairs and public relations. So, he wants to get out the message that people with intellectual disabilities are valued in our society and can work. Absolutely. And I, as an employer of people with intellectual disabilities, in addition, of course, to other disabilities, I know they can, and I know that just like epilepsy or any other disability, that it's ability first and that the person can do a great job if they are given the opportunity. Now, a question that one of our listeners had, Sally, is when these reports are finished, after you present them to the president, are they available in some format to the uh, public? Uh, they will be. Once the White House releases the reports and gives permission, then we can put them on our website and that kind of thing. And what is your website? Uh, our website is www. It's a long one, Joyce, all right? right. Yeah. Uh, gov backslash programs backslash PCPID backslash. And, and another, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say PCPID is the acronym for the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. Yes, and also if you go to uh, Google and put in what, you know, what Sally just talked about, you will see references coming up to this uh, committee and to the organization. But the, the, as she mentioned, once the White House has reviewed it and approved it and it is published, then the public would be able to read this. And I'm sure there will be many, many people interested because of your topic being one of employment. And um, I, I want to also add one other thing. The day that I spoke there, make no mistake about it, this group's got the power because I had to get kicked out of the room because they were on their way to the White House. <laughs> That is correct. The members have the opportunity to go and visit with President George W. Bush in the White House. He spoke to the members for about 30 minutes, told them all about the different things within the Oval Office, told them how much he appreciated their work, and then um, each member got an uh, individual picture with the president. So wow. the members left very much pleased. 
Well, I know that. Well, for those that didn't know that you told that day, I knew that they were going to be surprised to get to go. Because I want to say something here. You know, I don't care if you are Democrat or Republican or independent or what you are. When you go to the White House, no matter who the President of the United States is, it is such an exciting moment. I mean, it's so powerful when you go to the White House. It really is. It really, it's hard to even describe it to anyone. It is just an unbelievable day, and I'm sure that you all received very special treatment. We did, and all the members came out that way. They believed that that was just a wonderful day, and what a wonderful experience. Well, I know. When I received the President's Award at the White House, From President Clinton, I want to tell you, I mean, to be in the White House, just to be in the White House with the President of the United States, it's just, you can't describe it. It really is like you cannot describe it. Exactly. Also, also I had the great pleasure um, that my friend, Dora Bush, who also has been a guest on this show, um, invited me with the christening of the ship that was named after her father. And then she invited me to this little reception so that I could meet him. And um, I have always just, oh, adored him so much because, of course, he signed the Americans with Disabilities Act. And, again, it's just so overwhelming, you know, when you meet someone like that that has done what they have done for this country. So I'll bet everyone sounded just like that when they came out, right? They sure did. They were so enthusiastic, so appreciative. They kept saying, this seems surreal. They couldn't even believe it was real to actually go into the Oval Office and hear their president speak. It was just a wonderful opportunity for them, and I'm very pleased that they got that opportunity. Now, after that, you were able to get them back to that Committee meeting? Yes, we were. (laughs) We worked the next day, and actually then um, the next morning we had an unexpected visitor in Doro Bush, Cook, and Tricia Cook. Oh, that was not so nice. I bet you were so surprised. Well, we were thrilled. Doro had brought books over that she had written regarding her father, the 41st president, and the signer of the ADA, and it just made it real special because she is actually on the board of the Rehabilitative Hospital here in Washington. Yes, and she's on the advisory board of Bender Consulting. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) That is how I first met her, and she is an absolutely wonderful person, Doro. She, She is. She is fantastic. I mean, she is just so humble. And so dedicated, and she, all, all I can say to describe her is she's the real deal. And this book that uh, we're talking about is called My Father, My President. If you have not read that book, go out and get that book. When I had Dora on, I had her on talking about her book, and I'm going to have her on again talking about that book. If you're looking for a gift this holiday season, My Father, My President. It really is a great book. And Doro, talk about all about being bipartisan. Listen, my friend Tony Quello from the Democratic Party who who co authored or authored, excuse me, authored the ADA is interviewed in that book. 
And I love the story Doro tells about her father and President Clinton. So go get that book. It really is a great book. You'll love it. Very entertaining. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute. Now, listen, if you just tuned in right now, you are listening to Sally Atwater, the executive director of the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. And we're going to talk about this more when we come back for break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Are you ready to take it to the next level, both personally and professionally? If your answer is yes, you owe it to yourself to spend an hour with America's coach, Dan Lear, and the road to success, broadcasting live every Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Dan shares proven success strategies that will take you from where you are now to where you want to go. Your road to success begins with America's coach, Dan Lear, on the Voice America Business Channel. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn. So follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. your host of Disability Matters. And before I forget, special thanks to all of our great listeners. You know, this show's been going on over four years. We've had all high levels of people on this show. Really great guests, but you've made it possible 
because you've been so supportive. So I just want to once again say thank you. And today, if you just joined us, we are talking to Sally Atwater, who is the Executive Director of the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities, a woman who has truly dedicated her life to helping those that are often left out. And one thing I wanted to review again, uh, Sally, a little bit more, is could we review again with our audience what all uh, is involved or what people are involved when you say people with intellectual disabilities? Well, a person with intellectual disabilities usually has a below average um, IQ on a um, test of intelligence and then has limitations in abilities to function in the area of daily life such as communication, self um, care or getting along in social situations, and it is usually under the age of 18 that this occurs. You mean that the intellectual disability occurs? Yes. Okay. And um, this obviously is a large group in the United States and throughout the world. As I talked about just a little bit earlier, I had mentioned, um, although because you are so humble, you made sure you told me, no, it wasn't you. It was the committee and you and then the president who changed the name from the President's Committee on People with Mental Retardation to the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. And I wanted you to just mention again to our audience, why is that so important? Well, it was important in that the committee had we had a, a member on the committee at that point in time who was a self-advocate, and she said to us that she wanted to serve on the committee, but that she was greatly offended by the name of the President's Committee on Mental Retardation. This kind of got the ball rolling. There had been discussions in the past, but then it kind of came up again how um, how hurt this label was. And so we brought in other self-advocates and had great discussions with them. And then the members voted to recommend to President Bush a change in the committee. So it became the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities instead of the President's Committee on Mental Retardation. And how many years ago was this? Uh, this was in July of 2003, so not that long ago, but the committee has been in existence since 1966. 1966, wow. That's a long time. But of It course... is a long time. And at that point in time, Joyce, institutionalization was the main therapy, main place that people with intellectual disabilities were placed. Since then, as you see, we've had the Education for the Handicap Act. And then, of course, President Bush, um, 10 days after he took office, established and, and announced the new Freedom Initiative, which was to, carry, to tear down those barriers for people to live in community life. Yes, because if you're listening to the show, what Sally means is that it's true for many years, many, many years. And, and, and by the way, still to this day, 
there there are you know some places like this, but the the people with intellectual disabilities from childhood or when they were children were put in institutions. That's where they were, and that's where they were kept. And I want to tell you something. It wasn't that many years earlier than that in the past that people with epilepsy were put in psychiatric institutions. Hmm. So, you know, we've come a long way. We still have a very long way to go. We do. But, boy, if you would look at the history of how it was before, you would be shocked. We have made progress, but as yes. like, like you said, we do have a long way to go. But we have made progress is right. Well, listen, Sally, here's what I wanted to talk about for a minute. I wa- didn't talk about it that day uh, because I really didn't feel it related to our topic, you know, of uh, employment. But what was your view of the movie Tropic Thunder? You know what, Joyce? I had several emails about it from different organizations, but I never participate in that kind of thing. I don't want to use my money for negatives, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and of course, then the committee, um, as a presidential committee, we go through so much clearance, we couldn't get involved with that. But many of the associations that deal with people with intellectual disabilities were greatly offended by that. And what we're talking about here, this is a comedy, and in this comedy, um, they had lines where they talked about this lead character as this retarded man, and, and at times said, oh, you're like that and you're a retard. I, I mean, it was terrible. It really was. I, I just couldn't believe. I didn't see the movie, by the way. I just read all the parts of the script that were sent to me. But here, here's what I have to say about this. You know, lesson learned. Lesson learned. We need to keep educating people. We need to keep educating people because I can assure you if it would be your child, your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother, oh, you never, ever would put up with that. And you would not be in that movie is what I mean. So all I think we can do is what Sally said, keep educating and keep moving forward and keep talking about the success stories and keep showing what we can do, but keep moving forward because... Unfortunately, there are always going to be things like this, but, you know, if we keep forward doing the right thing, enough people will start saying they don't want to be bothered. Don't you think, Sally? I totally agree. And and so that's what I, you know, that is what I was appalled, and I do not think that, I, I just, I don't understand it, but, hey, I don't understand when people say things about people with epilepsy that they do in a lot of these uh, TV shows or events either. Sally, um, why do you think so many people have pushed people with intellectual disabilities off to the side and really not even considered them for employment or, or for, other, for other quality of life issues? Uh, I think many times, well, first of all, because of the origin of living in institutions, many people, you know, that are older can relate back to that kind of thing. And then, you know, our society as a whole are always looking for scapegoats that they can make 
fun of and that kind of thing. And so we see that. We see it not just in that one movie. We see it many times on TV or in that kind of thing. And people do. And they, when people are different, it's hard to um, accept them, you know. So um, I think that's a real challenge that we have to make. I know they're doing a lot of work within the schools and all for acceptance. And now that we have the Education for the Handicapped Act and IDEA, um, and no child left behind, more children with disabilities are part of the school curriculum. Yes, and you know, when you mention school, I just want to mention one thing. I've been doing a study the past seven years about the large number of students in schools with intellectual and other disabilities, not just intellectual, who are the target of bullying more than any other group, the highest target. And I just want to say, if you're a teacher, if you're a guidance counselor, if you're at the school in any way or some other parent, you cannot stand back and not say anything. Because if you're a bystander, to me, you're a participant. You know, Sally, I talked to this gentleman from England that told the story of a young young man with an intellectual disability that every day in London when he would leave school, what these kids would do for entertainment is beat him every day. Oh, my goodness. Uh Uh-huh. How sad. Yes. And guess how long that went on? Two years. Oh, my goodness. And, And you know what I have to say? We're the adults here. Where, what are you doing? And, and even if you're not an adult, even just someone seeing that, that is horrific what they do. And I am not going to name any other people, but any TV show or radio show people that make fun of people with intellectual disabilities ongoing, oh, to me, you are the lowest of the low because that is not what we're here on earth to do. You know, we all have differences but we're all here together. And I just think that is so appalling that people would let that go on. So please, if you're listening to the show, that's another thing you could do, is you could let the President's Committee know if you see a huge high abundance of bullying directed towards children with intellectual disabilities, because we always want to know what we can do in this country to make it better. And right now, I'm going to go to break, and then we'll be back to close the show with our guest today, Sally Outwater, Executive Director of the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, 
but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. And here we are ending the show today with our special guest, Sally Atwater, who is the Executive Director of the President's Committee for people with intellectual disabilities. And if you just joined in and you're thinking, oh, no, I wish I could have told this person or that person, they would have loved this. Remember, these shows are archived at www.benderconsult.com and at www.voiceamerica.com. Just go back, and you can listen to any of the shows and tell your friends. I know everyone knows people dealing with these issues, so make sure you let them know about it so you can help them out also. Sally, um, I did want to ask you a few last questions. You were talking a little bit earlier that you have board members with intellectual disabilities, and I just wanted to ask you how many do you have and how did they get involved? How did they get on the board? I had two during the first term of President Bush, and I have two um, members now that are um, selected as citizen members by the White House. They are will have one from Florida and one from Arkansas. Um, usually they um, are recommended by their congressman, senator, maybe an organization. They're usually activists, and they also exemplify um, a, a, a role model that we would like, a best practice. For instance, we have a young man um, who is a member of the President's Committee that works, that has a job, that has his own apartment, 
um, and has um, really has developed a wonderful life, has a very supportive family, and and we always like to listen to our self-advocates because we feel like they themselves can instruct us on what they their goals are, what they would like in life. That, and that is so fantastic. That, to me, is what makes it so special. You also have um, a your chairman of the board. What is your chairman's name? Our chairman is a gentleman named Steve Radigan. Steve is from Houston, Texas. Is Steve okay? Steve is great. He uh, actually works with parents in the area of special needs trust. Um, he's been on the committee. He was named by the president this last May, and he has already served a year prior to that. So he's had the experience uh, of being a citizen member and then was selected by the president to be chair. And what I'm meaning is several weeks ago with uh, the hurricane, is, is he was okay? Uh, we hope so. I've uh, talked to him right before, and we have not heard from him. He left immediately left the meeting, and I did talk to him prior to the Hurricane Ike striking, and he had been boarding up around his house for about eight hours, so... Yeah. So we hope so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he also probably, um, you know, was evacuated, you know, moved on. I'll tell you what I have been saying on every show, but, you know, our prayers and our hearts go out to all of you who have been through so much in that area. Um, because every day when there's a little storm or a little tree goes down in Pennsylvania, I say if someone's complaining, remember, New Orleans, remember just recently what happened on the Gulf Coast? It can always be so much worse. So um, our, our hearts and our prayers do go out to you. Okay, Sally, I want to tell you what. I asked these last two questions to every single guest who has ever been on our show for the past four years, and it seems like this is the number nine question is always hard to answer, and that is... Sally, what is your greatest accomplishment since you became the executive director of this committee? Well, I think one of the things is actually seeing and being instrumental in the name change. I think that yeah. was a wonderful thing. It's uh, Another one is just getting out the, the word that people with intellectual disabilities can work and that they want a life like yours. Mm -hmm. They want to have a home. They want to have a job. And they want to live in the community and be part of families. And, and if I ask you, Sally, do you, you're, other than the committee meetings you have throughout the year, do, do you get to do your board, do you get to do other things, or is it just like any other national board, you just meet X amount of times a year? Uh, we do, but then I always represent the board at different meetings throughout the federal government to make sure that people with intellectual disabilities are always thought of during their conversations and their discussions. Oh, that's good. So you are included in all of those. Yes. yes. <laughs> My personality, yes, I'm usually included. <laughs> that's good. And also, Sally, do you ever get to speak across the country about this? I do speak some. I do speak some. I, you know, 
So uh, I've enjoyed those opportunities that I've had, you know, that when I spoke. Um, so, uh, yes, but I really like to see our self-advocates go out and speak. Yes. Oh, yes. Do they do that very often? You know, there is a group now. The self-advocates are becoming so empowered now that they themselves go out and speak, and I think that's something that we on the committee like to encourage, too. Okay. Uh, one question here from one of our listeners is, Sally, obviously you have accomplished so much in your life uh, and done so much to give back. Who would you say was your role model? I think it was probably my husband, who always worked so hard and always tried. He was actually ran political campaigns and died at an early age of 40. But he always tried to bring out in his candidates the best, to elect those people that would have good government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I and that would be Lee. Is that who you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And um, so uh, and I, and although you, he did leave us at an early time, look what a legacy he has left through you. And of course, we know he's still with us anyway. I always tell people someday we'll all know everyone's at a better place. But I'll tell you what, it is wonderful what you are doing. It, it truly is. How, now, when you were a child before you got married, did, would you say that you had teachers that influenced you? Or I you did. I had teachers. Uh, my mother was very much in the education and so I always encouraged that. And that um, somewhere or another, I just always have that giving back. People have always been so kind, and I've had opportunities that I think that sharing of experience and giving back is part, the service to our country. That's very important. Yes. And, and you know, I always tell people, a great leader always serves. A great leader always gives back. Always. Because, and, and as you said, Look at all the people serving our country. So in closing here, Sally, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? That people with intellectual disabilities do want a life like yours. They want to have a home. They want to have a job. And they want to live in the community and be accepted. And isn't that the truth? They want to they want to have a life like yours, which says it all. Everyone, everyone wants a chance to participate equally in this country because remember, it's justice for all. Justice for all, not justice for some, but justice for all. So, first of all, before you go, Sally, I will tell you we end the show with a quote from someone that I believe has really impacted the lives of people with disabilities. And today that, that quote is from former President George Bush when he signed the Americans with Disabilities Act and said, let the shameful wall of exclusion finally come tumbling down. That says it all about what we're talking about. Sally, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Joyce. I enjoyed it. 
It was a pleasure having you. And remember, Sally is with the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities. This is your host, Joyce Bender, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.